Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Chicago Techies podcast, a podcast focused on highlighting the voices of Chicago Techies and their experiences. I'm your host, Ceci Fisher Benitez. Thank you for joining us. On this week's episode, I am joined by Carmen Sanz, Senior DevOps Engineer at Peak Six Investments. Hey, Carmen, thank you for joining me uh, for this week's episode of the Chicago Techies Podcast. I'm actually really excited to learn more about your journey uh, in tech and all of your accomplishments as you navigate the industry. Um, why don't we start with your name, your pronouns, uh, where you're from, and your current role? So my name is Carmen Sanz. I am, my pronouns are she and her, and I am from the south side of Chicago. Uh, grew up in Brighton Park and Becca the Arts specifically. Uh, you know, Chicago's all about the neighborhoods. And uh, I am currently a senior DevOps engineer at Peak Six Investments. Awesome. Um, I spent a lot of time in Brighton Park during my uh, time at the high school when I was working in Chicago um, five years ago. I mean, uh, I basically like was like a director of recruitment and retention at Ace Tech Charter High School, and a lot of my kids came from Benton Park in like back of the Yaris area. So love that place. Um, there's a lot of uh, really good restaurants all over there. Like yeah, if you really, okay. if you want like authentic Mexican food, you can either go to like obviously Little Village and like Pilsen, but also back of the Yards. Definitely, um, <laughs> great food. Yeah. So um, growing up in the city, obviously, like you probably had more visibility into kind of like the, you know, computer science and computers and things like that. Um, is that kind of like something you, that interests you? Is that did you know that you wanted to go back, uh, go into tech as a little kid? I think it was more like, you know, when you're growing up, you always have like, oh, I'm going to be like a doctor or whatever. Right. Um I always thought I was going to be like an Egyptologist or I, I dabbled in art. And then I realized I was more of an appreciator than a doer. Um, but I was always around tech um, in the sense of like, I played a lot of video games. Um, I used to read like, you know, the game power books with all the cheat codes. And, and then what really helped was I had, uh, my mom got a computer like secondhand um, from a friend. And my mom told me, this is the only computer you're going to get until I don't know when. So you better learn how to work with what you got, fix it. And if you need something from it, save up money and get it. So I was kind of like, okay. So <laughs> I, uh, I got into tech because I had to kind of learn. Like if you have something, you're going to have to keep using it until like it literally dies. And um I got into, you know, I use like PCs for dummies and Windows 95 for dummies. And then in high school, um, you know, that was the age of MySpace, right? So like I was I was the chick that like knew how to like have uh, change the background with HTML and like how to um, add music or how to have something follow your mouse. Like I was the chick who knew how to do that coding, right? And I thought this was so slick at, at the time. And then to top it all off, I was also the, the chick that had all the games for the TI-83 calculator. I don't know if you remember those games, but I, I had all of them. So I used to like divvy them out to people. So at the end of the day, like I realized that I was always in tech. And then when I was applying for college, I'm like, I'm going to study computer science because I had to fix my own computer. I know HTML. I could totally do this. Nice. I mean, I feel like that's that covers a lot of things right there. Like, you know, you had good inspiration from your mom kind of forcing you to learn. <laughs> um, and then also love the age of MySpace kind of shout out because I, I've talked about it with, with people before. Um, 
And I also would find, uh, I would actually find already pre-written the code and pre-written like themes, but then yeah. I would like to manipulate them like to, so that I, like with the colors and changing colors and adding music to it. So in some ways I also like dabbled with HTML back then. I just didn't know what it was called. <laughs> back yeah. Then. I, I didn't know either. The, the only class we had at school was like keyboard. Yeah. So like, no. yeah in seventh grade we only had keyboard like how to write like learning how to write with a keyboard so um I definitely you know like relate to that um so that, I mean I'm assuming that that's really then your whole story for what sparked your curiosity for for going into tech um but so I saw that you did your undergrad at Loyola yes and I did you went in and did uh computer science that way how was that experience um it it was it was good and at the same time it was also kind of difficult um a lot of it had to do with i went to an all girl high school um so like i was in an all girl high school um on the south side of chicago so and it was like very mixed right um and and then i went to loyola which has a majority women population but then i chose a major where there was barely any women so like I was like in AP Calc and honors trig. Like I was in, you know, all these hard, you know, math and science classes. And I, you know, it was great. Cause like, you know, a bunch of, you know, young women really doing it right in high school. And then I go to college and I'm like, wow, there's like maybe a few women in this class because they're math majors and have to take this class. But after my, my first class in college, I was the only woman usually. And then um, luckily, um, there, I wasn't the only Latin, Latino, Latina there. So there was a Latino actually. And, um, him and I took the majority of our classes together, but to be honest, if it wasn't for, for that, uh, friendship, I, I had the, the first few classes of my journey at Loyola. I don't think I would have stuck it through because I didn't realize like coding wasn't just HTML. It was, is like there's something called an IDE. There's something called a compiler. There's multiple languages. You have to compile your code. There's, there's, um, you know, memory how it's used and 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 struts and there's just like this whole other world that really was scary because I I come in with with no background really right so like I was struggling with like the simplest concepts like a for loop you know and and the people who were in my class. It was my first class ever that was like legit programming was was Java, right? And and I was in this class and the majority of people in this class were, you know, suburban kids who took already AP computer science and they were done at a lab in like 10 minutes. I was in lab for six hours. And like, this is also the age of only having floppy disk and I couldn't, that busted the computer that I had. Um, I, I, you know, I bought it with, I brought it with me. Right. But, you know, having a desktop in a slower desktop versus the ones in college, I stayed in the lab. Right. So it was, it was difficult actually. Um, and then I felt weird because again, I went from an all girl high school to, to a male dominated major. And then I was one of two Latinos and I was struggling to like find my place. And so it wasn't just like, um, a technical adventure and like, uh, and like trying to find myself in tech, but I was also trying to find myself as like a person in a world where um, I never really felt like a minority because I was always on the south side of Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. And and I stayed in my neighborhood. And then now I'm on the north side where where I don't know how to, where's the closest Mexican store? Like I don't, or Latino store or, 
or where do I go? Where, what bus do I take? Like the streets don't have numbers. They're not 47th and something. They're like, you know, I, I was really lost as a person. So it was my journey as an undergrad as a person was hard, but also at the same time, like trying to find myself in tech is like, how do I fit in tech? If I, if I don't know how I fit in here. So it was a very difficult journey, but it was a journey that had a lot of, a lot of guidance and a lot of assistance and a lot of um, growth. And, um, and I, and I had a, a great support system at Loyola with friends and at home. So yeah. I honestly credit those people um, to help me persevere a lot of those things I had my first year. Yeah. And, and that's something that is kind of still going on, right? Like there's some, there's like that whole gender equity uh, of things, especially within, with, with technology and computer science, there's not a lot of women going into computer science degrees even today. Um, so I think that's one of the things that I appreciate when organizations try to kind of address those issues and supporting more women in that are enrolled as computer scientists, because, um, it's super important. And like you, like you said, you know, if you didn't have the support from a friend or someone else that you knew, you probably would have dropped out. The majority, the majority of, of, of people of color or women um, drop out within their yeah. first year. Yeah. Um, I've heard horror stories of other women. Um, like I'm in this like Latinas um, in computing uh, or PhD group. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was studying as an undergrad and she was telling me I left my first, my first quarter because I couldn't handle it. Like I had no support. There yeah. was like, and she, and I, and I, and I don't want that to ever happen again. At least on my watch, if I end up teaching again or, or things like that. So. Yeah. Um, so there's one organization that is working on, on this, uh, on these issues and that they're called rewriting the code. Um, and they basically have uh, universities in, in, the, in their network that uh, have, you know, several chapters of students um, that, kind of meet to, together and, and, and support each other for like homework and things like that. Um, the University of Chicago uh, here, UIC, you know, U of I and like Urbana and like Springfield, Northern even is part of it. There's a lot of Illinois universities now that have this, this uh, as a resource for, for women in computer science. So that's, that's really cool to see that. And I, I love them and I keep talking about them, but it's definitely really cool to, um, to get involved with them if, if, you know, if you're interested in, in doing something more with that. Um, yeah, that'd be you, great. I, I didn't even know that this existed. Like both my universities, Loyola is on there and DePaul. Um, yeah. If I knew about that, then I totally would have. Yeah, I will definitely look into it. Yeah, and I mean, I think this is also very new, so it it might have not been there when you were there. Um, oh, it definitely wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> like early two thousands. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I and you're also currently enrolled in school, right? You're doing. You're getting your PhD. Yeah. Um. I'm doing oh. my PhD in computer science. Um. At DePaul University. I'm currently a third year PhD student. Um. I'm gonna take my first competency exam. Like in a month, literally to the day. So it's uh, exciting and scary, but um, I'm working with the American Sign Language Avatar Project, which is a project to create a more humanized avatar that does um, sign language, not just American Sign Language, but multiple sign languages. Mm -hmm. Um, We're trying to bridge the gap uh, between like deaf, um, the deaf world and the hearing world in, in many situations where an interpreter may not be available. And um, a lot of people think that it's it's fairly easy, but and lots a lot of people don't realize there's multiple sign languages. So that's why they think it's easy. It's actually 
very difficult because there's multiple languages and stuff. So, um, and different ways that we use our face and our body. They think it's just hands, but there's more to it, right? So, um, that's the project I'm working on currently at DePaul. And, and I actually went back after 10 years of not being in school. So, if anyone wants any uh, pointers on how to go back to school after 10 years, um, I'm totally <laughs> that, that gal. <laughs> and and yeah. how did you get involved with that, with that project? Um, it's actually uh, a pretty interesting story. So the first tech job ever I got, like ever, as soon as I got out of school, um, I, I worked in a, like as a operations developer. So I worked in, in finance. So like for trading, right. For like, you know, online trading. So I would have to, um, basically work, um, creating applications in order to handle trades and like where we trade and databases and stuff. And one of my coworkers, um, at the time, um, he's also, he's my friend now, obviously, but my coworker, um, is deaf, um, at the time. And we had to, um, always have an interpreter come in when we had really big meetings and stuff, but, my job was really good about saying, hey, the people who work with him a lot, if you're interested, um, we'll pay for you to learn enough sign language to at least not always need to type, you know, or always use an interpreter or always write. Maybe we can bridge the gap ourselves, right? So my job um, gave said whoever works with uh, um, Brent, his, his name's Brent, um, works with him a lot on projects if you're wanting to learn how to sign language or anyone in general actually um sign up so we started learning sign language at work and to be honest it felt like a whole new world was opened up to me i felt that i was able to communicate better i had to learn a third language basically and um brand at the time was actually doing his phd at the paul in the same group um, but I literally just finished like my master's at Loyola and I was not going to go back to school anytime soon. And he was telling me about his journey and I learned about his journey and why he chose that project, obviously, because of, um, of all the things that he went through as, as a person who, who is deaf and in, deaf, in the deaf world. And, um, and because I love languages and, and linguistics and, and learning, I, I just kept up with some of the sign language and, and even though him and I left that job, we still kept in touch and, and we communicated. And I was always just fascinated with it. And I kept up with it. Um, and then I said 10 years later, I think I found my passion. If you're going to do a PhD, you, you need to have like a why, right? Like a passion. You need, to, you need to have something that really grabs you. And it took me 10 years to realize that like, this is what I want to do. I want to work on bridging the gap of two worlds in our country as well as in others, to have accessibility be a thing, not just here, but in Mexico or, or wherever, for people who um, use sign language as their primary language. And um, it, it's even to the point that I started learning Mexican sign, sign, sign language, which is actually different from Spanish sign language. So unlike Spanish, when you speak it, it's there's Mexican sign language and Spain sign language, oh, which, wow. which they're actually fairly close but there is i think a, a percentage that's very different so that's so interesting i had no idea yeah <laughs> wow um i love that story i feel like there's uh there's always this level of like connection and collaboration that you feel with others that you might not get to work with them again for a long time but there's so there's always a funny way that keeps kind of coming back it's like a circle of life right like it's that's really cool 
It is like after 10 years, like it just kept coming back in my life. It's so much so that my sister is actually studying to be an interpreter, like an American Sign Language interpreter. So Amazing. she's doing the, the the hands-on, literal hands-on wow. interpretation while I'm doing the the computational and analytical part of a sign language. So that's how much it impacted our lives that kept consistently coming back because of one person that you met at, you know, your tech job. Wow. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, so I want to, I want to hit on a couple of things and I think that is about your initial reactions kind of going into the tech space after undergrad. Um, and before again, I'm doing your master's and all, but I also kind of want to talk about your first role. So whichever you prefer, like let's, you, you just came out of, you just got, uh, graduated from Loyola and now you're looking into your first role. Um, what was that process like for you? Like that journey of trying to find a job and maybe doing, uh, interviews and, you know, like whiteboard stuff and trying to like do the technical interviews. Um, did you come out of Loyola wanting to be a, a, a software engineer or did you go into DevOps like right away after college? No, like DevOps wasn't even like a thing. Like, so early 2000s, it was just like software engineer, right? Like even at Loyola, they they had computer science and that was your degree. Like there was no other degrees. Now you have bioinformatics, network engineering, systems engineer, information systems. Like it was just computer science, right? So when I went in, I, I you know, I applied for software engineering roles. Um, some of the roles I applied for were just stuff I found online. I think at the time it was like monster.com that we were using or, or through the resources at, at Loyola. Um, but also we had the cool thing about the teachers at Loyola is that they always brought in speakers of, you know, of like ex coworkers or like people they collaborated with. And um, we had a lot of great people come in to talk to us. And one of them was um, that trading firm that I mentioned actually. And um they kind of presented it in an abstract way because, you know, trading and like NDAs and stuff. So um, I got up and I, I said, hi, my name is, uh, you know, at the, at the time I was using my first name, Maria, Maria Sanz, and I am a senior and I need a job. <laughs> and he's like, great. That's why we came to the class to talk to you. I'm like, awesome. He goes, here's my card. M- email this person and let's see how it goes. And I'm like, okay. Oh, <laughs> I did that. And this was really early on. And um, the first time I interviewed with the company, um, they liked me a lot, but they, they said I was too junior and that I could hit them up later, which is fine because I was literally coming out of school. And then I hit the company up again and um, and I applied for a software engineering role because that's all I knew. And actually, that story, the story I'm going to say really quick is the story I tell all my undergrads because it's a story of like how one person may write you off right away, but another person can see something in you that really makes them take that like leap of faith that there's something there. Um, when I interviewed at this place, I interviewed as a software engineer, right? In, in plus plus. So there has to be mutexes and locks and, and heap um, and memory and how do you um, handle memory handling and allocation and deallocation, right? All this stuff. And to be honest, I did learn it, but like, the questions they were asking me, I just kept getting them wrong, like wrong one after another in the interview. It was like to the point that the guy looked at me and was like, you know what? Um, this position isn't for you. But this is after like I got interviewed by other people and he was the last one to interview me. And he goes, this position isn't for you. For you. Um, 
I think you should leave. Like, it was just like, like I wanted to cry inside. So, um, wow, that's so uh, rude though. Like you can't just say, (laughs) Oh my God. Like I just got every question wrong, but I've interviewed with other people. It's, it was like other people from different areas. And he was the main interviewer. He was the head of that software engineering group that I was applying for, but I was interviewing with people that work with that engineering group prior. Right. So I was like, okay. And the only thing you can do at like, you know, 20 something year old that's graduated, like, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciated the time at least. So I'm walking out and, um, and I'm, I'm devastated. I'm like, I'm going to call my mom. I'm so upset. Like I was, I was like, where's my cell phone? But as I was in the elevator and, um, he literally, he, he stopped the elevator and goes, believe it or not, someone else wants to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. Okay. And, and I was like, so it's probably one of the people I talked to earlier. And so I get back in this interview room and this, this other manager comes in and he's like asking me questions. Like, so um, you worked at ResNet, right? You like tinkering with, with computer parts. I'm like, yeah, 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 I, I, um, I do. And he's like, so tell me about some of the stuff you did at school, like ResNet or some of my projects that I had on my resume. So I got really deep into it. And obviously, you know, when you work on a project, you, you have insider knowledge of it, right? And then he goes, let me have someone talk, else talk to you on my team. Someone else talked to me. Then that same guy who came back, who asked me about my resume, about what I did, yeah. about the, the meat of what I am and what I did, he goes, I want to make you an offer. And I looked at him like, wait a minute, this has to be a joke. And I, and I looked at him and I'm like, um, I'm just letting you know, you know, that guy who told me to leave and I got every software engineering question wrong. I'm like, like, he did tell you I got him wrong, right? I just told you I got all of them wrong. And he's like, yeah, no, I don't care about that. That's software engineering. I like that you like tinkering and you like problem solving. And the stuff that you worked on is exactly what my team does. Because we need to figure out where trades go and how they and what they go through and what pipe and why we may not get them or not. And you have a really good background in databases and you built um, backup systems before. Like all your all your other qualities on your resume makes you perfect for my team. And and literally that's how I got into to kind of like the DevOps space because it was before DevOps. Like they wanted me to figure out problems, figure out CICD, figure out database um, stuff, figure out how to like add memory to to a big server. Like I was already kind of doing that at school and I did it as a kid, right? So kind of was like a full circle. Like, yes, I sucked at software engineering questions, but all the little tinkering I did in college and fixing other people's computers and as a kid actually is what got me the job. <laughs> not the software engineering part, but not saying that it didn't matter. Like it did at the end. Cause I also had a code. This is a good story of like saying like, even though someone thinks that like, writes you off right away, someone else would actually see the depth of you and like what you are technically, you know, I think that goes to show that like your first experience may be the worst, but it also can be your best. And, and, and once you have something like that happen to you, like after that, anything whiteboarding, anything that happens to you after that is like nothing. Like you can handle anything if someone just wrote you off that way. And, yeah. and I think it goes to show that, 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 you know, anything after that, it didn't, I didn't, I'm not saying that it didn't, it came easy. It just was like easier to accept if I couldn't get it, you know? Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's awesome. And I really hope though, that you gave some feedback to that guy, because that was still not cool. The way that he handled that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I never had to see him after that, actually. Well, I that's good. That, that's good. Yeah. So I was, I was, but yeah. <laughs> Also, trading at the time, like prior bubble burst was actually really lucrative. So that actually helped me pay off my school loans. But it also helped me put my sisters into a private private high school. 
So as soon as I was able to, I stayed in finance for not just because of the technical parts, but um, the money at the time helped like raise my family out of like a situation. And I was able to put both my sisters in um, private high school. I helped pay my my middle sister's uh, college. Um, Sometimes I helped pay the mortgage. I I paid off all my student debt in like two years. Wow. So not only was I learning and growing and, and, and solving really hard trading problems in the early 2000s, I was also like bringing my family up into a, a level that was more, more like sane, nothing, yeah. not like scraping by. So I stayed yeah. in tech like that because of the problem solving, but also because I was helping my family. Absolutely. That's, that's really the only thing that matters anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, now kind of going back a little bit to your initial reactions as you kind of joined the industry now in the early 2000s. Uh, I mean, I feel like, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it's back then because we're in 2020, right? Um, yeah. But I mean, early 2000s, I was graduating high school. It's not that, you know, that far away. But um, like, what was that? Like the, the divide, like the gender equity, the diversity and inclusion problems, was that even more of like more noticeable back then than it is? Oh, now? heck yeah. It was it was like really rough. Like not only like you as a person of color and like a Latina interviewing, also like interviewing in finance tech. Like like first of all, it's like there's tech, right? And then there's finance tech, which is like a niche, right? And it's even more corporate and more uh older like Anglo, mostly male, right? And like, like everyone's older than you in that sense, right? Um, at least the heads are. Um, but like, I was actually known as like the the, the baby of my group because I was like 20, 22. And everyone else was just like in their 30s or their 40s or their 50s. Wow. So it was even more problematic. I was the only female on my team and the only Latina for like, the whole time. Wow. <laughs> um, there was one one Latino um, and he's like, and he was like, my last name is Cardenas, but I am white as as hell because like I'm Irish. I'm Irish and Mexican. <laughs> so like my last name is Cardenas, but I look like a white boy and I apologize for that. But I am, but he, he told me, but I am one of your people. So like. Wow, that's amazing. So uh, like he told me that because he goes, I know, I know how that feels. He goes, because I also went to U of I on on my minority scholarship and it it was I know understand how difficult this journey is for you so I had I had one at the time when I started I had that one person that like really understood how I felt is he in Chicago still yeah he is what's his name uh Ian his name is Ian Cook but it used to be Cardenas okay well here's to him like that's awesome cheers to him I'm curious about your, like, obviously, it, it, it looks like you're a, a big proponent of education um, and, you know, putting your sister to school and all of that in, in college. You also have been teaching at Loyola. And yeah. Yeah. What, what are you, what are the classes that you normally teach? So um, I, I actually stopped teaching because I started my PhD, but I taught for five years, um, part-time, um, undergraduate and some graduates. So I taught um, data structures in C++ and Java. I've taught intro to programming in Java. I've taught um, DevOps tools, methodologies. Um, I taught open source computing, uh, as well as scripting in Python and Perl, and intro to computer science in general, like the history of computer science. So I've taught a lot of classes at Loyola. Um, but yeah. The, how, do you, how is that um, 
different like from your day to day how do you enjoy it more or what why did you want to teach so a lot of the reason I wanted to teach goes back to that to that space of like there was no one like me in class or as like looking at a teacher like mm-hmm. it devastated me you know like to a point that I realized this can't stay like this like I need to do something right mm-hmm. and after five or six years of being in an industry which also was like that I was like, this is, I love the engineering part. I love the tech part. Like that fulfills me, but I'm not making a change, right? I'm not impacting my community. I'm not doing what I saw. Like, like I'm, I'm solving great, amazing technical problems, but I work at finance firms. Like we just make more money. Like I'm not solving the problems that I had. So I went back to my alma mater and I was like, Hey, do you guys have like part-times? <laughs> They're like, Hey Maria, good to hear from you. And, uh, and then at the time I was going by Maria. Um, and, and then um, they're like, yeah, um, apply. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I applied and I got a part-time position. And and I haven't taught since like I was a TA in grad school. Like again, that was like six years after I graduated. And I thought to myself, you know what? If um, that whole like, if you if you need something to be changed, you need to be that change. So I went back to my alma mater to show that there's women in tech and there are people of color in tech. And I wanted to be that change. And my school always wanted to see that. And um, and the people who supported me were always the, the, the teachers of color <laughs> at the school. And they were the ones that always supported me and, and they saw an alumni wanting to make a change and technologically inclined. So I wanted to teach and I, and I did that. And I did that for five years. And the more that I did it, the more I realized that I wanted to get my PhD because I saw the impact that was making. And, and I saw it every day I went to teach. I put more time in teaching as a part-time teacher than I did um, sometimes um, doing other things in tech. Like my work, I did my work well and I did it effectively. But there was something about teaching that, that I just loved. And I saw that impact I was making in my own community that I was in before. And and I said, if I really want to do this, I need a PhD. But at the time I was like, I don't know what to do my PhD in. And then that's when it all comes full circle, right? Like, yeah. like I was like, I need to find something that, that really fires me up, right? And it went back to, you know, the, my, my ex-coworker Brent and sign language in DePaul and, and computer yeah. science. And I'm like, I know what I do. I can make an impact in my PhD by making more accessibility. And at the same time, when I go back to school, I'll be a professor, but I'll have a PhD. I'll have the receipts, right? To be able to become a full-fledged professor. Because at the end of the day, I love working in industry and tech, but I feel like I make more impact as a, as a professor or a part-time instructor than I, than I do in industry. And, and there's more one-on-one communication. You, 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 it's tangible as opposed to, you know, just mentoring one-on-one every now and then mm-hmm. at work, you know, yeah. it's tangible, you know, and and these, you're a mentor for life. And even though I stopped teaching three years ago to, to pursue my own, you know, endeavors as a student, um, I have a good group of like students that, you know, to continuously talk to me and, mm-hmm. and still want mentorship, but also they give me insights because now I'm a student again, and I don't know how to be a student again. So they're giving me insights and, and now like, you know, they're Yoda for me. And, and at times I'm still Yoda for them, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, I love that. That's cool. Um, so I I have kind of like a silly question because I'm still learning all these things. Um, 
what is the difference between SREs or soft site reliability engineering and DevOps engineering and cloud engineering? Because I feel like those are a lot of same um, roles in different companies, but, or are there similarities or how, how are they different? They're actually all fairly similar, but um, a lot of people say DevOps engineers. In reality, DevOps is like a thought process and methodology. And, and it's like, it's like when you say, um, you know, do you speak like Mexican? It's like, it's not Mexican, it's Spanish, right? Spanish is like the word. So like DevOps would be the word, right? But site reliability engineer would be like, like the subtext of what DevOps is, right? So site reliability engineer um, addresses more of like the system engineer role of like the core infrastructure, like um, dealing with CICD, dealing with like on-prem um, servers and things like that, right? Um, while DevOps is a thought process about, um, you know, failing fast for you can catch your errors quickly and be able to um, break that wall of confusion and siloing between the systems engineers versus the network engineers versus the, the um, deployment engineers. So DevOps is actually a thought process of bringing all those types of engineers together mm. to, to break that wall of confusion. So DevOps engineer is technically a, a, a role people can apply for, right? But in reality, it's, it's a thought process of breaking those, that wall down in order to include those all in one in order to work together. And site reliability, like I said, it just focuses more on systems while DevOps focuses on like the whole, the whole thing, right? Networking, um, CICD, deployment, as well as like scripting in order for you to create environments um, automatically. Um, the key thing about DevOps is you want to fail fast and automate and have infrastructure as code. Systems engineers do the same thing, but they focus more on the, the hardware and the infrastructure of deploying things versus um, looking at like, just like just that part they're not looking at networking per se they have another person that may do it and with like cloud engineering that's literally taking the devops methodologies and systems engineering but putting it in like aws or azure and gcp and that networking and that and that systems engineering is completely different because it's not mm. on premise there's no like pizza box that you have to put memory in and you just have to allocate memory but now you have to know the differences between the boxes that GCP offers versus AWS. And you have to create this whole infrastructure that you used to create with like seven engineers um, in like a tech firm or a trading firm. You are now that sole person that has to do all those roles in the cloud. So that's like the, there's huge differences in all of them. Gotcha. So is the cloud kind of replacing all these like physical data servers that exist all yeah. over the world? Yeah, they are. They they are. The only reason why you would have on-prem um, servers is like um, government. Um, some people may say security. And also um, for trading, you need on-prem servers closest to the co-location that, that the, the exchange is at. So like if you're trading on CME and their co-locations like on CERMAC, you want to have your, your physical machines next to them for there's like little connection you can trade fast, right? That's common knowledge. That that's not like a, a trade secret. You want to be closest to where where you, where everything's at for you can you know make more money. So <laughs> yeah, this has been so educational for me. I had no idea. <laughs> um, so 
moving along like what has been one of like your go-to resources whether that's like a book or a blog or a podcast or something that has nothing to do with tech um you know whatever you want that has influenced you in like your career like that's not tech i honestly think it's more like ever since i was in tech and i and i was feeling kind of lonely i didn't realize that there was groups like the first group I found was like Latinas in tech at like Grace Hopper. And like, I think I started crying when I met these women because like, they were just so amazing to me. Like they worked at NASA and Intel and like had PhDs and like they're Latinas. And, and I gravitated to that. And sometimes when I feel like I'm the dumbest person on earth or like, I am not getting what I need to get, I look at their profiles and see like what they accomplished. And I'm like, oh my God, they did this like with like paper code, like I can do this, right? So I go to the Latinas and computing website and look at resources they may have or like read read some of the, tw- the, tw- uh, the the Twitter handles that are out there. I look at them and see like the amazing things they're doing. Or more recently, I've been looking at like Tecaria or Latinas in Tech and um, Women Who Code um, and like joining those Slack channels because um, before, you know, I, I, you, you pick up a group of friends every now and then when you go work, right? And that's that's your 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 source of comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm finding groups now outside of that, you know, to 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 do that. So like I look at like Tecaria and I look at um, blog posts from people that are in those groups and just look at like amazing things. Like Tecnologicas is another one. I'm part of their group and they send out stuff about amazing things that uh, Latinas are doing in, at NASA right now or SpaceX. And those are my sources of inspiration, especially Tecnologicas. They have a lot of blog posts that. Uh, really inspire me to like keep going when when the road is rough <laughs> yeah i'm an ambassador for them oh uh, that's awesome i, I haven't yeah. like it's funny because i'm like they also welcome people that are not non-technical to like help kind of spread the word about them so i i actually became an ambassador uh a couple of years ago for them and and uh follow them usually yeah um, i'm an ambassador for them too like i but like it took it took like barely three years ago i think i yeah. or two years ago i joined like I just feel like I'm delayed in a lot of these things or because I started maybe earlier or what have you. But now that the last five years, I've been just finding these groups and these blog posts and like following the the people that I meet in these places to like keep me going and like yeah. just read their blogs. Um, it's really inspiring. Yeah. That's awesome. And you should actually look more into like speaking engagements too. Like I know that coming up, Latinx Fest is coming up that the Quería and Latinas in Tech uh, plan and help together too with the Kapoor Center and other organizations. And then Tequeria is also hosting their own summit for Hispanic Heritage Month. And um, I saw that they're looking for speakers. So you should definitely check those out too. Um, yeah. So I love that. I love all those organizations. I am a part of Latinas in Tech, as you know, leading yeah. the here in Chicago and, uh, and also like helping get Tequeria off the ground here in Chicago. So that's been, uh, that's been really fun, like partnering with them and, and working with those teams. So it's, definitely something that I'm very passionate about those community groups. Um, I'm happy that you're part of it and that, you know, we're getting, trying to get more women uh, that look like us in, in the tech space. You know, like I've been working in industry for like 11 or 12 years and I have that group of solid friends that like have helped me through and through, like literally the reason why I'm still and where I'm at is because of that group of friends um, that I met and coworkers along the way. But, but being in like a Latinx uh, or Latin scene is 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 completely different in, in tech because mm-hmm. the problems we see are, are completely different because of of how we grew up or or our or where we come from and those are different problems we're trying to solve you know and we all come from different backgrounds 
So with that, I am really curious to learn about your goals for the future and what's next for Garvin. Um, finishing that PhD, though. Uh, <laughs> um, that's my goal. Um, that's my main personal goal is to finish my PhD and to publish and um, make everyone proud but also make myself proud because it's always been my goal to to get it but i found a passion and and um tech and industry um my other goal is just to become like a senior architect like a senior infrastructure architect or cloud architect depending on what new endeavors and projects i'm working on at my current company um that's the thing i love about my current company right now i um I can basically, you know, get impassioned on something, and and if if it fits with the what we're working on, I can use it. Um, I can test. I have the ability to move up. Um, like I said, my my current uh, manager is a female. My my current DevOps engineer is also female, and I've never had that before. So it's 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 a an amazing experience, and I think that goes with the times. Like, and also like finance industry is changing, and people are making those changes now. So. Um, the world that felt lonely before is actually not as a, as a female Latina is not so lonely anymore. Um, yeah. so my goal in industry is to become a senior architect, uh, an architect in general and leave the senior DevOps engineer and become an architect and finish that PhD. So hopefully Dr. Carmen science will be up in three years. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it's sort it's in the universe. It's going to happen. Um, that's amazing. Those are great goals to have. Um, so now I, I want to give people the opportunity to connect with you. So I'm, I'm curious, how can people connect with you? Um, usually through my LinkedIn, you can look up, um, you know, uh, linkedin.com slash IN slash MDC Sands or, um, MDC Sands on Twitter. That's my Twitter handler handle. So, um, yeah, um, you can contact me that way. Um, cool. and I'll put all those links in the show notes too, so that people can easily access those. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Carmen, for joining me today. It was really nice chatting with you. Definitely feeling really empowered, and and I'm I'm excited for you. I'm excited for your for your doctor status coming soon. So, good luck with everything, and thank you again. No, thank you, Sassy, for the opportunity to uh, come talk to you, and uh, let's keep doing great things. For sure. Let's let's do it. <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Chicago Techies Podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review on iTunes. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at Chicago Techies on all social media channels. Thank you again, and we'll see you in two weeks.